you know that? But back in the day, um, you had to wait in line at Ticketmaster. If you wanted to go see a big band, you had to wait for hours for those tickets to go on sale. Benny back there is nodding his head. You've done that. So um, I asked at Thursday worship, I asked this question. I said, who has gone to see um, Elvis or something or the Beatles? And people said they waited long distances to see big bands, right? So um, it's different now. The kids now have it way easier. They can just go online when tickets go on sale and try to get them that way. But I think you miss part of the journey when you don't have to travel a long distance, wait in line, wait for the uh, tickets to go on sale. Uh, But we had an experience a little bit like that recently, and it wasn't to see the Beatles or Elvis or U2 or Beyonce. My daughter is really into Broadway theater. So anytime there's a Broadway show coming into town, anywhere near, she thinks that she has to go, right? And I'm one of those parents where I want my child to have great experiences and encounters because I think they can be life-changing at times, right? Some of these things can be educational or life-changing. Her big one uh, had been Hamilton for quite a while, right? That's educational. Um, They rap, but maybe they rapped back then. We don't know. So she wanted to see Hamilton, and uh, my wife would go on the Hamilton website and do something called a Hamilton lottery where you can get free tickets or tickets for $10. Well, guess what? She scored Hamilton tickets. And you know, this is about a year ago, and do you know what happened after that? They told me when I came home from work, guess where it is? Louisville, Kentucky. It wasn't in Atlanta. So, um, and they only got two tickets. But I went with them because I just love an experience too. So we do those things for people that we love. We try to give them encounters, experiences. The scripture that I'm about to read is a group of friends who will do anything for their other friend to have an encounter. And this encounter is bigger than going to see the Beatles or U2. It's an encounter to be restored physically, an encounter to be healed spiritually. Um, So listen to the story here, and it's one that you've heard before about a transformation, a restoration, not just physically, but spiritually as well. This is Mark 1, uh, Mark 2, 1 through 12, and I'm reading from the Common English Version, Healing and Forgiveness. After a few days, Jesus went back to Capernaum, and people heard that he was at home. So many people gathered uh, that were there. There was no longer space, not even near the door. Jesus was speaking the word to them. Some people arrived, and four of them were bringing a man to him who was paralyzed. They couldn't carry him through the crowd, so they tore off part of the roof above where Jesus was. When they had made an opening, they lowered the mat on which the paralyzed man was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Child, your sins are forgiven. Some legal experts were sitting, sitting there muttering among themselves. Why does he speak this way? He's insulting God. Only the one God can forgive sins. Jesus immediately recognized what they were discussing and said to them, Why do you fill your minds with these questions? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed person? Your sins are forgiven or to say, Get up, take up your bed and walk. But so you will know that the human one has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed, Get up, take up your mat, and go home. Jesus raised him up, and right away he picked up his mat and walked out in front of everyone. They were amazed and praised God, saying, 
We've never seen anything like this. The word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you so much for your transforming power. We thank you that you are continually transforming lives uh, of our friends, of our neighbors, but also that you continually transform our lives. We pray that you will inspire us this morning to have our lives transformed and also to help uh, in the transformation of others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this scripture was actually the theme of an event I went to a couple summers ago. I took a youth group to Dolphin Island United Methodist, and it was an organization called Raise the Roof, and they were doing roof repair. Can you imagine taking teenagers to do roof repair? How dangerous does that sound, right? But the theme of it was, you're restoring someone's home, but also trying to help bring restoration to their spiritual life as well, right? And it was a team effort. As I've noticed a lot of times, when we want to see people restored, it's usually not a solo effort, it's a community effort of a group of people saying, well, we want to see your life transformed, renewed, uh, have an encounter with Jesus. And I'll ask this question, it's a tough question, what do you do to help people encounter Jesus? What do you personally do to help people encounter Jesus? What length would you go to? In this story, part of the restoration was a person who needed physical help. And I know that if I have a friend who needs physical help, I'm willing to drive them to Gadsden Regional or Riverview. That's pretty nice, right? I think a lot of us would do that. But what if our friend needed a ride to Birmingham or Atlanta? What if they needed a drive to New York City? Gets a little more complicated, doesn't it? What length are we willing to go to to see somebody restored? The people in this story were the kind of friends that we need in our lives uh, and that we need to be for others. Do you have friends who would cut a hole in a roof for you? Do you? That sounds like breaking and entering. I don't know about you. I think I have a couple of those friends that would do that for me and uh, would go to jail for me. But uh, do you have friends like that? And we've all heard this story before, but let's look at the scene a little differently. We see a group of people in a house listening to Jesus. They're all huddled in there. I imagine it even smells a little bit because there's so many people crowded in there together. But what's going on outside? A group of four friends carrying their friend in physical need. I bet they traveled a little while, right? I bet this wasn't just next door. But I bet they had a little bit of a journey to get there. Even if it's only 5, 10, 20 miles, when you're carrying a paralyzed person, that's a journey, right? That's a journey. I bet they were hopeful. I bet they were stressed, excited. I bet they were questioning, will this work? Is this a waste of time, right? And then I bet out of those four friends, out of those four friends, I bet one of them was the crazy friend that said, we're going we're gonna to go through the roof. We're just going to do it. And I bet you, I bet you there was a normal friend, the, the one that uses their mind, the logic one, and said, well, that's not such a good idea. If we're going to go through the roof, let's strategize a little bit, right? We all need that friend too. Um, but it took a community, it took a group of people to do this. And I bet maybe there was two friends on the roof and two on the ground trying to tell them what to do. But what happened even earlier that week? Their friends were probably talking about it when they heard Jesus was coming into town, was going to be there. We want our friend to be restored, they probably said to each other. We'll do whatever it takes. Probably a hard task to get their friend to Jesus. Um, they may have had to give up work for a day. They may have had to give up some activity they wanted to participate in. It actually reminds me of the story of the Good Samaritan, right? In the story of the Good Samaritan, 
the man goes by and sees someone in need, he not only takes care of the person's physical need, but then he's going to take them to the inn and say, hey, here, let him stay here. If he has any other bills, help him with those as well. These friends dropped everything to help their friend encounter Jesus, right? And they were going to do whatever it took to get their friend through that roof. It was a community effort to see a friend restored. When I thought about our community and our church, I thought, what is it that we do to see people restored by Jesus? The first thing that came to mind was our ladle of love, right? That's not one person up there serving food. That's a team effort. If you've never been, even if you don't want to serve, come on a Friday and come see it. It's a team effort to see people's uh, physical needs, see them fed, but also see them fed spiritually. They want to, have, they want to see people have an encounter with God. It's a team effort. Our clothes closet is a team effort. Have you ever participated in the community Thanksgiving at the venue? That's a whole community event. That's not just our church. That's every church, every school organization. That's everybody saying we want to see people fed. We want to see people restored. Soon we have an event coming up called RAM in our community. Uh, it's going to be over at the high school during spring break. The school's going to be closed because the kids are out. And there's doctors, nurses, everybody in the community is going to be making sure people's physical needs are met with free medical care during that, that time, during that event. Be looking for ways that you can connect in that as well through our church and in the community. But it's a team effort to see people restored. I thought of rehab when somebody goes to rehab um, for a drug addiction. It's a team effort to see somebody restored by God's grace and work in their lives. Let's go back to the story. Did you notice that this man is healed in the story? He's restored, not just spiritually, but physically. Jesus says, pick up your bed and walk. Everything is different now. Everything's going to look different. Whose life was changed by the paralyzed man being set free that day? First off, the paralyzed man, his life's different, never going to be the same. Technology is awesome now, isn't it? A paralyzed person could have a lot of uh, help and elect uh, 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 just the way technology is and with uh, electronics and all that type of thing. This man didn't have that back then. His family took care of his every need. This man can now work. He can now go shopping. He can now, he can do everything on his own, right? His life is completely changed. Completely take care of himself. This would affect his family. A burden would be lifted off of a caretaker. Now think who else's life would be restored by this man's transformation. Everybody in the neighborhood that had seen this man previously, they saw somebody's life transformed by Jesus. Right? Everybody in the neighborhood saw it, witnessed it. And then also, this group of adventurous friends who are willing to carry their friend on this journey and lower him through the roof. Guess what? Their life was impacted by the restoration of their friend. They're never going to be the same. So watch out. When someone has a real encounter with Jesus, it's life-changing, it's transforming, and it not only affects the person who was transformed, but it affects the whole community. It affects everybody when somebody has an encounter with Jesus. And sometimes those encounters are physical like this one, but usually it's spiritual. When somebody has a spiritual transformation, God doing something, it affects everybody in the community. Can you think of someone that goes above and beyond to bring people to places where they know God is at work? These friends did whatever they could to get their friend to where Jesus was. Do you know people like that that say, I'll drop everything to bring my friends to a place where Jesus is? Or a place that I see God at work? When I thought about that, I thought, there are parents here in this church today. They work Monday through Friday. 
They're exhausted, right? They've been running all over the place to soccer and everything else. This morning, they woke up, even though they were tired, got their kids ready, and they said, we're bringing our kids to church even though we're tired because we want our family, we want our children to have an encounter with Jesus. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? Pretty awesome. So here's my question, though. Do you know someone who needs to have an encounter with Jesus? Do you know somebody in your life, a friend, co-worker, I don't know who it is. So right here, this is my wife. Pastor Sam wants to bring these baskets, please. All right. This right here, just some stones. Just some stones. They're uh, in here in the altar girl. A couple of stones. And I want you to take one home with you. Do you know somebody who needs to have an encounter with Jesus? You would pray for them. You would cut a hole in the roof for them to meet Jesus, right? You, you care about them that much. So I ask you, when you leave today, pick up one of these stones. You can get a Sharpie at home, write their initials on it. I want you to put it in your pocket, put it in your purse, wherever you're going to see it all week long, and be praying for this person. Next week, bring it back. Pastor Sam is building something with these Ebenezer stones. Can you believe that? Um, but when I thought about my friends that I want to encounter Jesus... I often hear the same thing, and I bet you hear this sometimes too. If I invite some of my friends to church, they say, lightning will strike if I go to church. Do you have friends that say that? Really? They, they make the joke. They say, lightning would strike if I go to church. That's the truth that people say that. They're joking, but they also really feel like they're not worthy, right? Or they've had a bad church experience in their life. I want to give you some opportunities of things that you could invite people to that might not step foot into a service yet. A jazz brunch is happening in two weeks on a Sunday morning. If your friend might not come to a service, I bet they would come eat some jazz, jazz food, right? <laughs> I bet they would. Uh, I bet a friend might come to Mahjong, and that might not sound spiritual, but there are people in this church that play Mahjong in the youth room of all places. And you know what could happen through that by inviting a friend? A friend might say, these church people that play Mahjong aren't so bad. Right? They might come for a couple weeks and then come check out a church service. Um, there's yoga here. There's retired and ready. There's serving and ladle of love. A friend might want to come do that with you. We have a service on Tuesday nights for people that have been hurt or felt excluded from church. We have Thursday worship if somebody can't come on a Sunday. We have the best choir. You can invite people to our church on Sundays, and you can invite people to the early service as well. But be praying for somebody, really. It's our job to want to see people transformed by Jesus. I encourage you to do whatever you can, pray for them, ask God to give you creative ways to share his love and grace with others. Um, but as we think about our friends who need to be transformed by Jesus, our friends who need an encounter with God, we also think about ourselves, right? We are all in the process of being transformed daily by Jesus. The work is not done. It's not completed. We are not done being worked on. Um, Jesus should be impacting us daily to change and to grow. All of us in here who have had an encounter with Jesus, we were forgiven, washed clean by God. We celebrate that in the work of our baptism, but God's grace and work in our lives is not done. Um, God is constantly growing us and taking us to places to grow closer to him making us more loving, more forgiving. I know I need these things. I need to be more loving, more forgiving, more dedicated of a disciple of Jesus every day, little by little. God is transforming us.
And this morning, I want us to remember the vows of our baptism. Um, Just as in the main story, the man was restored, changed, let us continue to be changed by God's grace daily. This morning, we will remember our baptism. I don't want you to think you're being baptized again. It's a baptism remembrance. Um, And if you have never been baptized and you would like to talk to Pastor Sam, Pastor Carrie, or myself, we would love to have you be baptized in this church. Um, You can come ask us questions about that. Uh, We'll even have a party for you afterwards if you want to be baptized.